Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It is episode number 107, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazi, content creator and co-host. And as always, we are bringing you interesting discussions with diverse voices and to help us out today uh, with our discussion on video game streaming, subscription, ownership is the other MyMatter co-founder, Lau K. Lau, welcome back. Hey everyone, and it's as always a pleasure to be back. Yeah, and as I was putting these notes together, I remembered that we have had a discussion on game streaming and subscription services way back in episode number 25. I think this was pre-branding, when we didn't even have proper branding for the podcast and definitely no music. So I dread to think what that sounds like. But if you are interested, hey, go knock yourself out. Um, if you like something a bit more current, Lau was also with us on episode 93, where we talked about Dune, uh, the movie and the book. We talked about, well, Lau talked about the book. I've not read the book still uh, but you can check that episode out uh, in the show notes too and you can also subscribe to story x story on apple podcast on spotify pretty much wherever you get your podcast from uh, and as always you can send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com uh, throw them at us on social media uh, we are at myamada on twitter at myamada tv on instagram and tiktok uh, or at tazzy on everything uh, you can also join our Studio 77 Discord to be part of the My Matter universe and meet others in the community. And you can consider becoming a Studio 77 member uh, to support the work we do at My Matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork too. So speaking of those events and artwork stuff, uh, let's get into the latest from the My Matter universe. <laughs> And we are continuing our series on Twitch, which is called Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. So every month, uh, I will be speaking to a different comic creator uh, about the work they do, the craft of making comic uh, stories, and just them uh, as a person. The idea is to highlight the human being behind the art that we all enjoy. So the next episode is looking like Tuesday, the 7th of June. Uh, so we do those from 7.30 p.m., BST. So uh, still to announce the guest for that episode, but give us a follow on Twitch or just follow us on social media uh, and you'll be notified uh, when we get that confirmed uh, and everything there. We'll also be putting the highlights from past uh, conversations on our YouTube channel. You can also check out our latest manga, Serious Through the Fog, which is a story about a pandemic made during the pandemic and featuring Blake Serious in his toughest adventure yet. It's something that I recently took to the Portsmouth Comic-Con. Uh, I was happy to showcase it to people there. I even met some people, or one person in particular, who backed Kickstarter uh, from it. So it was nice to uh, get some feedback. But uh, yeah, so we're working on different manga in terms of making manga and also talking to other comic creators. Uh, so with the video game side of the brand, uh, we had an interesting time with our Halo Infinite Games Night, which then turned oh, into yeah. then turned into the Roblox Halo <laughs> Games Night, and then turned into nothing. <laughs> so that was uh, that was something. Um, the VOD, if you want to see the uh, the train wreck, that was the tech issues around that. Knock yourself out again. Go to our Twitch, uh, check that out. We're gonna give that another go. Uh, see if we can get Halo to play nicely on all our machines, and if I can get uh, OBS 
playing nicely on my computer so we can have a nice smooth live stream so you're gonna have to join us in june uh, for our next games night but you can always uh, check out the highlights from past games nights uh, we recently discovered or remembered rather that we played among us and we have the footage um, of tazzy expertly deceiving uh, the rest of the group so we're going to dig into that put that on youtube uh, as well so you can check that out along with other games that we played like uh, roblox uh, like fortnite uh, like rocket league uh, so yeah we're going to put those up and uh, yeah you can stay tuned for more games nights uh, assuming the tech does work <laughs> so keeping with video games we have our do i look like a gamer campaign which is now launched it's live and we've got stuff happening so we launched back in february a, a, camp a campaign promoting diversity and inclusion in the video games industry so you can follow us online uh, on the website on social media to see the photo campaign that we launched with and meet the 40 players and makers showcasing diversity in the video games industry uh, so from there uh, we had a launch live stream and those segments are now up on our YouTube channel. So you can see some of the people that were involved, some of the discussion around different aspects of diversity and representation in video games. And also check out the upcoming events, especially if you are a young or aspiring game games professional. Uh, you want to get involved because it's for you. So we're doing this to empower young people, future generations, so that they know there's a place for them in this industry uh, and do some work to help prepare them, give them more awareness, give them opportunities to develop skills uh, so they can make their first steps uh, into that industry. And we have some events, as I mentioned. So we're going to be doing a panel uh, in air quotes, a panel at the London Comic-Con, uh, which I've been made aware of that it's, next week as we record and in just a few days as you listen um, we'll be leading a discussion on the live stage with guests across game production uh, development and esports to bust some myths and stereotypes in video game culture so we'll be on that stage saturday the 28th of may from 6 p.m so if you're at comic-con come check us out get involved we want to make this interactive uh, get the views from the audience as well as give our views uh, as the panel from there we have our family games design jam where we are giving young people and parents and guardians the opportunity to discover the game design process by making their own tabletop games so we're going to be at the redmond community center on saturday the 4th of june from midday the event is free thanks to our sponsors but space is limited so make sure you sign up as a team of up to four or as an individual and we will group you on the day following that the following month in July, we have our Cupcake and Gamepad Social. So as well as being able to design games, networking is an important key skill uh, in, in any industry and especially in video games. So we're providing an opportunity uh, to meet other aspiring professionals uh, for young people, again, for parents to get involved. Uh, so you can meet those working in the industry today over some desserts. So we're gonna be doing some networking, but also sprinkling in some cupcakes and friendly competition as well. So this would all take place at the Samsung KX building in King's Cross on Saturday, the 2nd of July from 4 p.m. BST. And it's another free event. So this is a campaign that is proudly sponsored by Rocksteady Studios 
and splash damage and supported by many others who are helping to spread the word get involved just make these things happen so that like we said we can help empower young people and those from underrepresented backgrounds in the video games industry so check the show notes for links on all that you can also go to looklikeagamer.com and we will see you at something one of those events you've got a bunch of options there so hopefully we'll see you um now let's get to today's discussion We have a message from Splash Damage for you, who are one of our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign sponsors, and they're currently hiring. So the London-based studio recently announced work on a number of new titles built in Unreal Engine 5. Which looks amazing, by the way. I don't know if you've seen that, Tati. It's, I'd say stunning. Stunning is a word I'd use for that. I've seen a little bit and um, had a few discussions about it recently where it discussions about how stunning it is yeah a lot <laughs> of people looking forward to what what comes out of gaming with unreal engine 5 more keanu reeves i think <laughs> so you might know splash damage from their work on dirty bomb the gears of war franchise brink or wolfenstein enemy territory but the studio is beginning an exciting new chapter with its own games and own IP. And it's looking for talented and ambitious people to join them. That means you, John, Alice, James. I don't know, I think I'm hitting people with this, <laughs> but you know, anyone listening. They offer in-studio hybrid and remote working options. So you can head to careers.splashdamage.com to learn more i like that they offer different ways of working i think that's very inclusive of them very inclusive what's your favorite way to work tazzy uh, i'm probably a hybrid person keep it mixed up a bit yeah i like some hybrid keep people guessing is he yeah. going to be in is he not going to be in who knows <laughs> anyone's guess so again you can head to careers.splashdamage.com to learn more We're going to be talking about video game subscription, streaming, and ownership. So we're going to be looking at the, the rise of video game subscription services and platforms that allow you to play and pay for games in very different ways than has been available in previous generations and what that means for the future of game access and ownership. So something that is very current, uh, we had a discussion recently about the different ways, different models, like payment models around video games. Uh, we brought up like Game Pass uh, here. So we're going to talk about it. And we brought in Lau because Lau is someone, unlike myself, actually use, has used multiple of these services. So uh, we'll get that uh, view. And speaking of, first question is just to get an idea of what platforms people have. So Lau, what are you, what are you using? What are you subscribed to at the moment? I am... Um... A slight latecomer to, but a current subscriber of the Google Stadia service. Um, I guess I should say how long I've been using it. So I think I signed up to the free trial during the pandemic because Google was like, hey, everyone's at home. This is a great opportunity to kind of get some more users in the user base. So they were giving away about a month for, for free. Um, and I was more than happy to try them out uh, on that basis. Um, so all I had to do was get myself a controller that would work. You can use keyboard and mouse, but you know I just thought let me just buy like a PC controller because I was told that would work, and it did. 
So um, that's how they got me in. I, I, I did the free trial and I liked it, so I stuck around. The other one, which came a little bit later, was uh, the Game Pass by Google. Well, Cloud Gaming Beta is what they're currently calling it. But it, Wait, Game Pass it, by Google? Sorry, by, um, my, by Microsoft. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did, I did. There's someone in the marketing department very upset. Yeah, they'd be like... <laughs> I got very game. confused about what you were actually <laughs> talking about. I was like, oh? The Game Pass by like Activision. Or, <laughs> or, yeah, anyway. So basically, um, Xbox is... I think it's called X Cloud, or at one yeah. point they called it something like this. Anyway, yeah, no, so X Cloud. X Cloud. <laughs> yeah, although if you go to the website, depending on how you read or your setup is, it kind of says it that way. But anyway, um, the Cloud Gaming Beta. Um, so I initially was looking at their. Um, I think they called it the X Pass originally, like for the PC games and stuff. I'm not sure if it's still called that. Um, but in it's any case, it was Game Pass PC. The game, the Game Pass. Thank you. See, I, look, I'm just here for the games, guys. Yeah. Names are just like neither here nor there for me. But anyway, I, I signed up to that because I was like, oh, well, you get all these access to the games, and I was like, but I want to play them on the cloud because I don't want to download all this stuff to my laptop and just like fill up the space. So this was quite appealing to me. So I signed up for a trial, which was about a pound for the month. You know, so I figured, hey, why not? And I think I stuck with that for another month. So I had two months with them. Um, and I was very sad to leave, but I had to because I wasn't going to have all these subscriptions. Um, so that's number two. The third one, um, I got in early with the NVIDIA um, GeForce Now. Um, and I'm actually, I think they call me like a founder. Yeah, so I'm one of the founders on this. And they had a really good deal on it. And basically what they've done is they've locked me in forever because they said, if you ever leave, the price will go up. And I've got a really nice price. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say how much I pay, but it's <laughs> very cheap. Um, so che cheap enough not for me not to cancel compared to what I might end up paying. Okay. I mean, I think Google's going to cancel for you, but that's uh, another story we'll get to in there. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I've been following what's been going on with them, so it'd be interesting to get into that. But so those are the three that I've used. I, I did find out that PlayStation also have a service, but I tried to sign up. And if they're listening, you know, just add me to the beta because I've pretty much tested all of these services for everyone. Um, but yeah, it's not in the UK yet. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, let me know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And so that's that's about that. So those are the three I actually use at the moment. So the Xbox, GeForce Now, and then uh, Google Stadia. I feel like Lau is the connoisseur of uh, streaming, game streaming. <laughs> like I said, Lau is actually using these services. Um, so I just have Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which includes cloud gaming. But then obviously that is Game Pass for PC and Xbox. And I love it. <laughs> You know, if you've heard me talk about it before, but <laughs> and um, also in nature of saying how long you've had it. Um, so I first got Game Pass for the XO19 event, which is like, which was end of 2019. So pretty much from the beginning. <laughs> That's a different lifetime ago. So a long time. Okay. I have PlayStation. Uh, and therefore I have PlayStation Plus. So, well, actually, I, I say that like it's inevitable. I didn't. I think I had it 
and I didn't, and then I lost my PlayStation at <laughs> uh, an event, discovered that PlayStation tie game saves to PlayStation Plus, and that was it. Now I have to get PlayStation Plus. So, so uh, not that I'm expecting my uh, PlayStation to get lost again, but if it does, at least I keep my game saves. So that is pretty much um, why I have it. And was that an event that we? That was done? at an event. It was at know, a Hyper Japan event. Not that I'm blaming Hyper Japan. <laughs> um, but, um, that is where that is where the act took place. Came yeah. back with everything but the PlayStation. So yeah, traumatic. By subscription services as well. Do we count Nintendo Online, the more expensive one? I feel we have to by by, by way of they take money out of your account every month if you sign up. <laughs> so guess by definition. Yeah, I have that one too. Okay. <laughs> the more right. expensive one. <laughs> okay. But in a family share. So oh, it's not yes. actually that expensive. It's quite cheap actually. Yeah, yeah. Got a good good deal with that. So yeah, all right. So we all know what uh what everyone's working with. And yeah, just to say I don't play much online. So I kind of feel I'm like way underusing it, uh what I've got, but uh there you go, that's how they get you. Now as I was talking, as I was putting these notes together, uh, I realized that we talk about game subscription services and, you know, in this new context with the current platform holders and what they're doing. Um, but the idea of subscription services are not necessarily new. So uh, we discovered as we were putting the notes together, uh, a service in the 1980s called Play Cable. So it was an online service introduced that allowed local cable television system operators to send games for the Intellivision. Uh, and if that means something to you, then, well, I don't want to uh, call out anyone's age, but <laughs> yeah. Um, over cable wires along normal television signals. So through the service, subscribers would use a device called the Play Cable Adapter to download games onto their Intellivision, uh, discontinued with the video game crash of 1983, which is where just a flood of average games uh, just crashed the market. And uh, then f moving forward a little bit, there was a dial-up service for the Atari 2600 where subscribers could install the proprietary modem and storage cartridge in their home game console, uh, accessing the game line service, which is what it was called, to download games over a telephone line. Uh, and some of our audience might want to uh, look up what a telephone line uh, means. That's why we have Wikipedia. Use your phones to Google that. Um, moving forward a little bit, we have OnLive, which is something I had awareness of at the time and um, since purchased by Sony. So this is something where I feel falls under the category of uh, came too soon. Um, so it was a new system. It brought cloud gaming to the masses. Um, so it allowed subscribers to rent or demo computer games without having to install them on their device. Uh, and as we fast forward to today, we have what I'd say must be the reigning champion, uh, Xbox's Game Pass service. So uh, as Tessie mentioned, uh, Game Pass and PC Game Pass are game subscription services from Microsoft. So both grant users access to a rotating catalog of games from a range of publishers and other services, uh, including Xbox Live Gold, EA Play. I think are Ubisoft in there as well? I believe they have just joined the fray. Okay, I think yeah, I read something about that. Um, for a single monthly subscription price, and I feel this is now the trendsetter and what everyone is trying to trying to get to. So, out of interest, did 
did you guys know about on live at the time was that something you had awareness of did i i'll have you know i actually tried it out once and i played oh, splinter cell i can't oh. remember what splinter cell it was but um but it was good i didn't have fast enough internet for it though so mm. <laughs> so that was a, a very quick kind of fray into it but um it, i mean it looks pretty good but yeah obviously i just didn't have the uh the equipment mm. well, what about you tazzy is it something you were aware of no i had no idea the only like game subscription service service i knew of prior to like yeah game pass coming out was actually a physical game subscription service that i used to use oh, and it's still more. about it's it's called boomerang game rentals they're actually pretty good and i'm actually sitting here thinking about uh potentially sign up to them again <laughs> but you you like it's it's like blockbuster by mail for okay for video games and it's actually pretty good i'm Wait, not gonna so lie as someone who has game pass what's the what would be the benefit if you are thinking of getting it again because i'd pay a monthly subscription like and i'd probably go for like the lower tier there's like different tiers but you can get like any game for any console the downside is that it's one well on the basic subscription it's like one game at a time but i mean that's not a downside because can only really play like one yeah, story yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i juggle a lot but you know when i've already got several subscribe like i've already got several games and subscribe to game pass i really don't need but it's a phys it's physical game so the, obviously the downside is you have to wait for it to get delivered to you but i mean i'd use it probably for like story-based games so that wouldn't be a issue i have patience <laughs> uh, a new existing challenger has entered uh, entered the ring and i mean that was kind of a look at the brief uh history and as we look at like today's landscape we have a bunch of options but you know looking at the the main platform holders we have uh, efforts from nintendo sony and microsoft and i feel that each offers something a little different. So uh, I touched on Game Pass and I feel we can we can start there because looking at what Microsoft are doing with their subscription service and, and what they offer, it reminds me of the Xbox One's launch um, and a shaky launch that it was because they had this idea of sort of always online um, access and and they were just rejected so much that they backtracked on their their vision but looking at what microsoft has done for subscription and streaming were they right all along tazzy oh yeah like <laughs> when like now that like game pass is really popular and da, 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 i'm like this is literally what they were trying to do last generation <laughs> <laughs> but no one was having it and then they sort of like they've just sort of improved on but mainly just repackaged <laughs> rebranded something they were heading towards anyway i feel like yeah it does feel like that and i think they just worked really hard on like making sure it was marketed in the right way which i think is just something that happens in in consoles in general general it's like if you miss market it at the beginning yeah it can really trip you up yeah or time it wrong like you can kill a generation for yourself like the wii u yeah, yeah. <laughs> which everyone was just like oh it's just like an add-on to the wii <laughs> oh, therefore i don't need to buy it and no yeah <laughs> so i mean I, like i'm glad they improved on what 
But it's essentially like the vision was still there. They just put hit pause on it, right? And then they're like, "Hey, this is this is what we were selling you the whole time." Yeah. <laughs> we, like you say, repackaged it. Just took a step back. <laughs> well, I mean, a long step back because you know, as a not a lost generation, but you know, they they lost in in the sense of you know how we compare console sales and everything and and uh, perception. They lost that generation, uh, and it was largely down to that really bad start. And selling the connect with everything. Oh yeah, and oh that yeah, the connect. Wow, there we go. Oh, I forgot about that. I hope they repackage that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Lau, I mean, as someone who currently uses Stadia, were you aware of the sort of the drama around the launch of the Xbox One and had any thoughts about that service? To be honest, I didn't really follow it. I, I think because I jumped off the uh, ship. Like near, coming near the end of the 360. Okay, that's the the general video games ship, right? Yeah, the general video game ship. So I was kind of like, you know, in uh, what's it, cryostasis, would they call it, uh, when it comes to video <laughs> games. <laughs> um, shout out to Passengers, great film. Um, but um, yeah, I just, I, so I completely missed it, to be honest. And it was quite interesting waking up like, 50 years later and whatnot and i'm like oh wow there's like all this stuff that microsoft's doing now so yeah i, I can't really comment to be honest but I, I like where they're at, at the moment i think they're doing some really smart things yeah for sure they did definitely took on the feedback obviously they they changed and switched up at the time but they never lost sight of that initial vision and you know that vision is tied to the sort of overall corporate vision which microsoft have which is moving everything to the cloud uh, and just being where anyone is to use their services so it's the same for like windows and uh, and office but looking at the xbox one the thing that struck me at the time and now you touched on it the idea of like internet connectivity and i feel that's a lot of i guess the ongoing challenge of as we talk specifically game streaming uh, not necessarily subscriptions but game streaming where so much is dependent on internet connections like the quality of the connection but also the allowance the bandwidth allowance of a uh, connection and definitely at the time just wasn't ready or maybe it was technolo technologically but the perception of where internet connectivity and access to it was at the time was not ready but we're we're slowly getting to that place where we're just more and more even more online because we were pretty much already online uh, at that time but even more online even more used to services taking advantage so microsoft have yeah they're just like stuck with it and then you know we're all catching up uh, and speaking of catching up we do have some other platform holders. So uh, Tazzy, you touched on Nintendo. And I guess the question is, what what does Nintendo offer in this space? Because they've never been great at the online part of video games. They do have a service. Can you tell us a bit more about what the service is and what you get from it? Nintendo offer you to pay them money and you get nothing in return. <laughs> oh my, that, <laughs> that does sound like Nintendo. <laughs> Um, the sponsorship. <laughs> no, I, I actually really don't know what I get from my Nintendo online. I get the ability to play online by paying paying the subscription, which I realise I don't actually really do that often. <laughs> you also get cloud save, which I guess I benefit from. And then there's like they've added like expansion passes to some games. Or at the moment I think it's just Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, yeah. And I think there's one coming for Mario Kart, maybe? And then you get, like, some retro games. 
So they have like, I don't know what they call them, <laughs> but they have like these retro emulate, console emulators. At the moment, I think it's the NES, the SNES, N64, I think has been added. Yeah, and Mega Drive. And then Sega Mega Drive, yeah. And and they have added Ocarina of Time on that, which is great. I've yet to play it, even though I was super excited for it. Yeah, so that's what you get. I mean, you do get an extensive retro library. I will give you that. I've had a lot of fun with that. But yeah, I don't actually really know what I'm paying for. Than, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I don't use my Switch that much for playing games um, other than Ring Fit and Oh yeah, yeah. Go check out Tazzy's uh, Ring Fit YouTube streams. When are you doing those? So they've been on hiatus uh, because I've just been working uh, nonstop, a ridiculous amount, an unhealthy amount, contrary to everything that I said on my YouTube channel that I'm doing. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> at least you recognise it. They will be returning, so they should have returned by the time this podcast comes out but they may now be on tuesdays and thursdays instead of the previous mondays wednesdays and fridays but all the vods are up so you can catch them at any point there we go <laughs> so in terms of like nintendo and what they're doing is they seem to be taking the approach that they kind of do with a lot of their games um which to be fair works for them is we have nintendo games you want nintendo games give us some money for those nintendo games and not much else in terms of the the online offering. So um, just to kind of cap some of those bits, because when the service started, uh, I remember it was met with a lot of criticism. And then I got a piece here from TechRadar uh, that mentioned like the service has since uh, come on leaps and bounds with Nintendo steadily improving its online connection quality, uh, adding a premium tier expansion pack, as Tazzy mentioned, and also... Uh, that was added in 2021, um, which lets players play N64, Sega Genesis, Mega Drive titles, uh, as well as access to DLC packs such as Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Happy Home, Paradise, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Passes. So they've been adding to it, and they've been sticking with it. And I feel it's a case of going back to what we are saying about where Microsoft uh, right all the time. Uh, everyone is slowly catching up to the idea that you need to have some offering in terms of online subscriptions, not just from a business case, because there is a business case we can touch on during this, but also from a perception uh, from the consumer that we want additional content, additional access. Uh, so speaking of catching up, we then have Sony and PlayStation, and they are in the midst of a big change, or is it a big change? A change, I don't know if it's a big change, it's a change in their offering. Uh, so like I said, I have uh, PlayStation Plus, uh, subscribe to that. It gets you the, as well as the save <laughs> save game, should I need that, um, that functionality in future, uh, but also gives you access to free games, not quite as many as the, <laughs> the buffet of Microsoft, but you get two free games you can download each month. So I've taken advantage uh, of that, but We've discussed this on previous Gamepad Report videos. Um, we've talked about it on our uh, Story X Story roundtable, uh, video game roundtable episodes. Just the idea that Sony, as more than anyone else seen as Microsoft's next competitor, can only go so far 
looking at Game Pass and the, the great positive response to Game Pass and not do anything. Uh, so they've done something and they're now revamping their offering. So they have or are in the midst of launching a new PlayStation Plus service to bring it on level footing with Xbox Game Pass, question mark, because I think we're still to be convinced. Um, but from uh, GameSpot, Stephen uh, Petit mentions, as expected, the relaunch of PlayStation subscription service will combine the perks of PS Plus and PlayStation Now and the highest level will offer some of the same features on Xbox Game Pass. When the subscription launches in June, it will be available as three separate tiers, PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Plus Extra, and PlayStation Plus Premium. The premium subscription will feature up to 700 plus games, of which I think they um, mentioned I th five. But I think as of today, they have actually added a longer list. Okay, breaking games news. Games that are available. Yeah. Let me send you over the... I'll add it into the show notes. Um, yeah, sure. The link. But yeah, they have, you know, some... I'm, I mean, it's not quite Game Pass level of games, <laughs> but they have some decent games in there. Oh, yeah. Take a look at this And PlayStation and third parties. Okay. All right. So I always want to check in with, like I say, the person who's actually using these subscription services. So, Lau, how much awareness do you have of the PlayStation plans to revamp its subscription services and does it interest you at all? It's a good question. To be honest, um, there's only one thing I really look at when it comes to the PlayStation service and is it available for streaming, which I know is kind of like the extra bit. I think I mentioned it before, but I'm on a wait list. So, <laughs> so yeah, as soon as I found out that there was something, I was I was well interested. And for me, it's just more about checking it out and just seeing, like, you know, can I play some of those games that I missed? I, I think all of these subscription services are great for that. Well, maybe not Stadia because they don't have a back catalog as such, but um, <laughs> but definitely from the Xbox side. Um, uh, and also GeForce Now to a degree because you can, you know, get some some games from Steam and whatnot. But but my point is with uh, PlayStation, yeah, just like picking up like the Metal Gear Solid franchise and Final Fantasies and whatnot. So like I can catch up on those games because I never really played them because I didn't have a PlayStation back then. I was like a Nintendo fanboy basically, and then I went to Xbox. So I, that's where my interest is with this service. And when it launches, I probably will check it out for a month or two just to kind of yeah play a few games. Oh. Also, Uncharted, I completely missed it. And like, we're like, well, we haven't seen the film, and I kind of don't want to watch the film uh, until I play the game. But something tells me maybe I should watch the film first. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it actually matters. <laughs> yeah, no, it oh, doesn't. Wow. What a oh, better wow. experience. Watch the film first and then play the games. Okay. I've seen the short, by the way, with, um, what's his name? Nathan, Nathan Yeah. Okay. So you are interested in this new service and it sounds like making use of it as a chance to catch up on a back catalogue of games that you have missed. Yeah, for sure. I think that's kind of the main thing for me. Uh, I, I'm kind of playing a completely different game, if you pardon the pun, to everyone else in the mainstream. I mean, for, from the mainstream conversation. So the mainstream conversation, typically, I've seen people talking about, like, you know, the latest games, the AAA titles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, people want to stream them for the utility that streaming gives you. But for me, I'm kind of like a, I don't know if this is the right word, 
normal term, but like I'm kind of like bottom feeding, if you know what I mean. Like <laughs> I, I'm just kind of coming along. I'm like, ooh, there's some old games here that uh, you know I didn't get a chance to play, and in a way, I'm I'm getting a great experience that way because you know I'm not having to be put on hold because the game I want to play isn't there. I'm basically just seeing what's there and kind of having fun that way. So. Yeah, I love that. That's a great experience. And I think if more people had that point of view, they'd just enjoy life in general a bit more. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm in the middle, because I'm like, at least with Game Pass, it's a great way for me to have a chance at like playing a brand new game. Uh, whereas before, I'd always miss out on them and all my friends would be playing them. And then I wouldn't play get the latest game and then by the time i figured out if i like it or not everyone else has stopped playing it and i buy it at full price and then it drops in price or just becomes a free-to-play game (laughs) and then i'm there like oh uh but this is like oh i get to jump on while there's all the hype without having to like fork out 40 quid 50 quid um 70 in some cases yeah if you're a playstation gamer (laughs) (laughs) um um, but then as well like i get to like you now pick up those games that i missed because there is so many games out there there is no way i could possibly play all the games i want to play yeah it's exactly that yeah and and then um i think a key aspect of this is their folding in of playstation now which was a separate subscription to playstation plus and that was a streaming service like Stadia and GeForce Now. So instead of downloading games, you can stream them. But again, you're then going to sort of quality of internet connection, having that being fast enough, reliable enough, and all that. But they're now folding that in into the uh, the top tier of the new PlayStation Plus, and then also adding game demos. So I wondered what either of you think of you have any strong opinions of the offer of game demos as part of a subscription service is that something that appeals to you because that's something that is unique or at least for the moment unique to the playstation offering as it happens i i know that recently geforce now has um added demos to their service and um i remember when i first saw it and i was really excited even though I had not heard of most of the games. So I was just like, wow, okay. Here's the thing, right? Um, f- from my perspective, as a potential like um, consumer, or, you know, I might buy certain games. I am quite casual, so I'm not necessarily going to invest. But look, if I have the opportunity to try a game, I'm going to try it just because it's there. So I-, I just thought it was a really good play by them to to have that offering and the fact that playstation are going to do this i think it's a really smart thing especially when it comes to streaming for anyone that hasn't tried streaming the thing that i really have to hammer home is just the share accessibility of the thing like it's mm-hmm. literally like i would like to play this game and you press a button and there's no loading and you're playing the game all right depending on the service there's no loading but some pretty you're pretty much playing in no time, which I think is such a benefit. And then the same thing with demos, like typically you might have to download them or, or whatever. Like, and with this, you just go straight into it. I tried out a game recently called um oh, I should know the names. It's the Ghost Runner. There it is. I tried out the Ghost Runner demo. That's a crazy game, by the way. Um, <laughs> but 
I was just able to check it out like in no time. Um, you know, I may never have looked into this game any more than watched a trailer had it not been available. And it looks like this is something that's probably gonna increase, especially I I predict for indie gamers, uh, sorry indie devs, because you know it's I, I imagine it's quite hard for some indie game indie devs to kind of get their products out there. So having demos available on streaming services just makes it really easy for people to just get in there, maybe play a level or whatever, and then make a decision off the back of that. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I think it's um it's a really clever move. Actually, I'd go further than that. I'd say it's a necessity to have demos and um, quick slap of the wrists for Stadia because they took a while to get demos on their service and I just couldn't understand why. Interesting. Okay. What do you think? I'm, I, I don't know why. Maybe you will discover, but I'm surprised at your interest in this because I, I wasn't moved when I first heard of it. But Tazzy, what do you think? I don't know if the demos are in the streaming part necessary for PlayStation. They're just... I don't think they specified if they're streamable demos or downloadable demos, right? They're just part of the PlayStation Plus extra or whatever. Yeah, I think they're part of the, the premium tier. So I have an issue with this. A, they're not the only ones doing it. Uh, so as part of Game Pass, you get EA access, which often has demos. Like you can, oh, they're not called demos, but that's what they are. You can like play X game for 10 hours so it's a demo they just don't have demo written next to it <laughs> also like game pass does a similar thing where it gives you like game trials for things also the fact that it's in the premium service to play yeah. a game demo yeah. <laughs> i'm like are you for real yeah that's the one thing i did kind of raise an eyebrow at because it like, feels like something that should be just accessible to any subscriber yeah so like for it to be in the higher tier i'm like that better be a pretty like long demo and in fact like because demo to me that's not in fact like in the fact that it's a demo <laughs> like demo to me means a game like a sample of a game might not be the final version not necessarily the full game with like limited access right yeah, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to play it, whether it's something that developers need to create like a complete slice of a game that is a demo yeah. or they're going to make just make the game as they normally would and then hack something that, you know, cuts out after 10 hours or whatever. The yeah. Time. So then I have a problem with the wording. So I'm like, is it a game demo or is it a game trial? Yeah, it's essentially a game trial, isn't it? Because it's not, I don't think it's, you know, this is not your grandfather's demo. It's not the <laughs> demos that you kind of used to get in previous generations. It, it is playing yeah, this game for limited for amount of time. For an amount of time. Um, so then they're really, really not the only ones doing that because I feel like everyone's doing that. And the, like, again, it just bugs me that it's in their top tier. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. <laughs> That's the issue for me. It's like... Yeah, I don't think it's anything. I don't think they're doing anything special. Depending on like what they mean by game trials, like this is this is a thing. They've not been clear on anything, <laughs> and it's getting closer to because it's supposed to change in June, right? Yes, June. So, so we're very it, close. We're basically there, and uh, like there's still not really much info. Uh, so unless it means like you can literally trial any game. <laughs> Mm. Then I could understand what was in there. 
But I feel like it's just going to be like a very limited handful and you're paying more for it and they've like added it on like it's an, a feature. Yeah, I mean, I would hope it's it's any game, but uh, I imagine like the June release sort of comes in, you know, what used to be the, the E3 period. So I imagine come June, we'll get the full details in some kind of proper announcement uh, and, and go from there. But the placement of it in the premium tier seems weird. But when I first heard of it and like i said before we talked about it uh, on the uh, gamepad report where it didn't necessarily move me um as an offering but as lao just pointed out even i can i've since been able to see some of the value because and it kind of it goes to some of the messaging is weird because when it, the word demo has some you know meaning um that might not be completely accurate to what's being done here but i imagine what they've done is not everyone finishes games so first of all, and they know that people will play a certain amount of a game. So I guess they've just put the number at that amount. And like you said, Taz is just essentially a, a trial. So people at the premium tier are able to, well, I would hope be able to try any game for a certain amount of time. And then it's, you're pushing close to what Game Pass is offering, just worded in a weird way and then restricted access to the premium tier. So it's kind of not quite, what's being done over in xbox land other than that like game trials are great and just again like just to reiterate what lao said about what streaming and just subscription in general means like you get to try games like for me at least with game pass there's been so many games that i've tried that i wouldn't have bought and the top one that is always going to be my game go-to example is dragon quest builders 2 because i <laughs> love that game and i would have never have even thought about touching it if it was not on game pass and now i'm like i might buy it on my switch and if it ever gets removed from game pass i am buying it <laughs> <laughs> at the like discount that they offer when things leave leave game pass like because i love it <laughs> But those experiences aren't ones that you can have without, well, you, like you're less likely to have without like a subscription service because you can actually, you can sample, you can sample games, give, a, give them a go, try them out um, rather than spending that like 40 quid to see if you like it. And I feel like this is something that um, Nintendo could do better. They do offer game demos, actually. N Nintendo offer game demos. Okay. They could do more of them and it would make like Nintendo online feel more valuable. So, I mean, it's a good point you mentioned about the being able to sample. And uh, I definitely remember you sort of talking about uh, Dragon Quest Builders and how much you loved that game and especially how much you wouldn't have tried that game had it not been on, on Game Pass. Um, but that comes with pros and cons. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword because I have here... Uh, a story from IGN that talked about um, how PlayStation Plus uh, was, quote, devastating for Oddworld Soulstorm. And that comes from the developer. So this was uh, a game that was, it was advertised and then changed to be a free game on PlayStation Plus. And according to uh, Lorne Lanning, who is the founder of Oddworld's Inhabitants, said the game was downloaded close to 4 million times through PS Plus, which is significantly more than a studio's expectation of 50 to 100,000. So sounds good, right? But then you have the, the double edge of it where they are they're essentially paid, I guess, part, as part of the service, paid a one-off fee to be on the service. 
and then wow. you're seeing the game i was going to say sales but they're not sales but a, a game access just skyrocket because it's on the service but not necessarily getting any more for it so uh, landing explained that you know they were in a position where they were uh, they were sort of struggling they needed money to finish the game and didn't expect the launch sales on PlayStation 5 to earn more than what Sony offered because console shortage, because of awareness of the game. So you then have more people buying the game, but then does that mean developers are losing out on sales? What do you guys think? Like, what's the, the benefit? Does the benefit outweigh the, the cost? I mean, just from a business perspective, I think the developer, unfortunately, you know, made the decision. And I think it might have been worth just reconsidering before they signed that deal. Because this this was always a possibility. I mean, it could have done 8 million. Like, do you know what I mean? Or it could have done like 10,000. So in some sense, it's kind of um, doing that, what do they call it? Uh, opportunity cost analysis and seeing like is is this the best deal considering the risks uh, for me and then making a decision that's one half of it but then the way I hear that story I think well hold on a second why wasn't there some kind of royalty deal mm. for this sort of thing like similar to say Spotify now don't get me wrong I, I don't know what the current state of Spotify is but I definitely know that at a time artists weren't getting paid that much from it even if they had like loads of streams so maybe maybe that's changed now i don't know but it hasn't from okay (laughs) (laughs) from my friends that use the platform to distribute their music no all i would say to that is um yeah i think the um business model needs to be reviewed especially as this kind of service becomes more popular where you know people get to uh, well, I should say where developers get to see more uh, revenue coming their way, you know, as users actually like download the, their games. Because, you know, I think it's only fair. Uh, obviously, the platform uh, owners should get a cut for hosting the platform and making it possible. But, you know, I think I think that definitely is something that needs to be looked into a little bit. Mm. I agree that is just a really horrible deal (laughs) i mean come on always (laughs) if you're gonna if someone's gonna be always even if it's like a small percentage of say like downloads that happen make sure you're getting your cut (laughs) um because it is a possibility but also like (sighs) there's like this thing as well because it's would your would people have bought the game did you really lose out and that's the thing on yeah. that much revenue because yeah. so would four million people have bought the game i think it's safe to say no no yeah you might have lost out on some revenue yeah um, and definitely missed out on the opportunity for revenue from those four million downloads so yeah but uh, i just feel like it <sighs> If you like game streaming and and subscription services need to have a model that's fair for the developers because otherwise that's that's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um because I've heard like contrasting stories um before with Game Pass. And I wish I had access to it now so I could accurately quote it. But I remember reading an article on I can't even remember what game it was, but 
just that Game Pass just allowed them to get more exposure as like an indie studio because there's a curated set of games on Game Pass. And so loads of people were exposed to it and downloaded it and got a chance to play it. And then when it's once it was removed from Game Pass, well, even while it was still on Game Pass, their sales increased. And once it got taken off again, good sales. You say still good sales. Yeah. Even after it left the surface. Yeah, because then people would like, because as well, Game Pass does, does this thing that when it removes something from the Game Pass, it gives you pre-warning and it's like, hey, you get a discount if you buy it now. So, you know, you might want to buy it now so you get to keep it forever. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, ah, that's, yeah, that's always a tricky one when, when like, you can't get paid in exposure, obviously, but your game is getting exposed and you need to factor that in. But, I mean, who knows how that deal went down? They could have been pressured to not. Yeah. Um, it could have been like a case of like, we're, no, we're not going to do that. So you either we either pay you this now, and you get on PS Plus, or we don't, mm. <laughs> and you don't. Yeah, and I think it just to reiterate what the developer was saying that they were at a time they were struggling when they were approached by Sony. So to quote, we were hitting a number of legacy technical debt issues and talent issues so the developer needed more money to finish the game and like i said before didn't expect you know the launch sales to earn more than what sony offered so it's kind of down to to where you are in the moment of the mm. deal so i don't know if that's the same for every everyone is on playstation plus or other uh services because i think the although they were in a particular situation that kind of would have made this deal make sense i guess at the time otherwise they wouldn't mm. have have done it yeah. but in generally speaking is that double-edged sort of anyone on a streaming uh, on a subscription service is kind of have to look at it differently so it's not just up sales it's like say the exposure even though you can't sort of <laughs> pay bills with exposure but you then need exposure to get uh, other sales so i guess it's a we're now entering a, a different way for developers publishers to view selling games to the consumer because it's different if you're selling a a box copy the digital or physical box copy than it is being on a subscription service mm. yeah and i definitely think people need to like when you're your game you're letting your game get put on one of these services like really think about what that what's happening but obviously like they were in a i feel like it feels like such a sleazy thing <laughs> i feel like they just got taken advantage on because they were in such a vulnerable state yeah and it's not the best way to make a decision but i think just in general if you're developing a game now you need to think about is it going to be on a subscription service what is that going to look like what deals are we going to make and be going to them before they're coming to you so that the ball's in your court <laughs> there you got sound business advice uh, by the way <laughs> don't take my business advice because yeah. i do not have a business <laughs> and i'm terrible at asking for money <laughs> <laughs> this is completely theoretical and yeah i'm you yeah yeah don't listen to me i'm judging from a place that i shouldn't be judging from <laughs> we'll add that disclaimer uh to the, <laughs> to the show notes do not take business advice from tazzy but no i i think it's a good point is that just being aware of of the deal and then being aware of what it means to be on a subscription service and how that's changing the view of games because on the flip side I, f I feel yes the being able to have access to more access to games is good because people get to try games that they might not otherwise have developers get exposure they might not otherwise have uh, but there's a small voice in the 
back of my mind saying that then the game experience is kind of devalued when it's free and there's an element of of that it might just be me but there's an element of like it just becomes i don't know just tr- very transient when it's just oh i just play it and then it's done i consume it done on to the next one uh kind of yeah. thing that bugs me a little bit i think a lot of people think like that this is a thing that like, it's hard to to judge something like that when you're when you're like you're not in the normal thinking because I'm like oh I play it and I'm like oh my god I want to give you money now because <laughs> I realize how great it is yeah I guess and that's the flip side of, of that you then realize that oh there's value here and now I know there's value here I want to give something yeah but you know what I think one of the things that uh some of these services have are like you know the add-on packs and like season passes and that kind of thing uh so like for example i've got the crew too i bought it and let me tell you that was a long courting period i didn't get it straight away but like i'm at the place where you know i'd consider buying like some of the extras because i'm invested in the game and i think that's maybe another way for developers to kind of recoup some costs and the only downside and i don't want to get into a different conversation but you know if that becomes the model how devs make money um, in addition to whatever they might get, there's that risk of them kind of developing games with that in mind. And so you don't quite get the exact experience that you would have got because, you know, they want you to buy more. So I don't know, there's some thinking to be mm-hmm. done around there, but I think something along those lines might be where it makes sense for everyone. Yeah, I feel like it's the perfect, you know, like DLC is is literally like you you've got a full game and you can be satisfied this game and then there's dlc that like adds to that game and i feel like a lot a lot of dlc is in that space at the moment and like i'm more inclined like loud more inclined to buy that dlc from games i've played on game pass because i'm like oh, okay I, I know i've i'm i like this game and i've not invested too much in it but now i've invested my time and i'm happy to invest in the dlc whereas before i was like i've already bought like this game <laughs> Why am I going to spend so much more on DLC? But then, so like, if it's like this perfect blend of like, if they keep making games as if they're boxed with that DLC model, rather than the but the risk we fall into is that games are going to be made in terms of like more of a DLC model where like you need the DLC to enjoy the game past a certain point, rather mm. than it being an add-on. Well, you're kind of you know going into another option for the future which is like live service games when well, i say future we've we've got them now the idea of the the game that keeps people engaged keeps them playing for as long as possible so they can buy the extras that come as part of the game for as long as possible while paying that monthly subscription if it you know if we're talking of like a mmo or something like that so that means instead of a the company the the publisher making the one game uh, and moving on getting the one fee and moving on companies can create games that they can update for years so this is a uh, a story from axios that talked about uh, electronic arts so ea uh, as an example how they posted record uh, second quarter so july to september results with two-thirds of its $1.8 billion in revenue coming from live service and other operations, which is crazy. as <laughs> two-thirds coming from live service games. So EA says it runs live service across more than 25 games 
and expects to generate 70% of its bookings or transactions this year from live services. So that's like the other side of it. It's like we can get you a subscription for a particular platform service. So we talked about Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, or we can get you on a game and you can tie you to a game where you continue to pay for, for updates. And obviously EA has a bunch of sports games where that applies to, but we've seen other uh, other games of of that nature where you can pay or continue paying to continue being part of the game experience like uh, what do you both think about like the idea of live service games as a uh, growing future uh, in the games industry uh, honestly obviously i'm a bit of an og right so i'm probably gonna sound like a grandpa I, I don't particularly like it i get it but i don't particularly like it i guess i'm just old school in that respect. But here's the kind of parallel that I'd make. I can't imagine reading a book, a really good book, and then suddenly I'm told that, hey, you know what? There's a, you know, that side story where we've got like an additional chapter that you can download to kind of find out more about what happened in the side story. And basically, I never finished the book because... (laughs) I'm having to download additional chapters that all these writers are working on while I'm reading this book. Don't get me wrong, I'm having a great time enjoying the story, but now I'm no longer really, you know, doing the thing that I wanted to do, which was to enjoy it and finish it. Now I get it. It gaming experiences and I guess live service games they're different in that respect. So would would you say that like a Fortnite sits in this bucket, by yes. the way? Yeah, Fortnite so... is most definitely a live service game. <laughs> So yeah, and, and you know what I like. Of life or maybe <laughs> yeah. Call of Duty uh, Warzone. Yeah, and I like that, but at the same time, it's like. But I think the good thing about Fortnite is it, it does, strangely enough, if you want it to have a beginning, middle, and especially if you're playing like battle royale, you can go in, you can play your game, you can go home, and yeah, it's like it is what you kind of make of it. So I I kind of like it in that respect, but then I, I wonder like one day will something else come and supplant it. Do you know what I mean? I, sometimes I, I I wonder if the companies have taken too much control over us, and um, we've kind of got suckered into the their game, <laughs> their business game. If you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, because I mean, if you want to take the you know the other side of this, the the best thing for a company, and and I say this as as a company on a you know completely different scale, but the best thing is consistent revenue. That is just you can. Uh, you know what's coming in, you can plan ahead of time, you can look beyond the now, consistent revenue. And that is what all these subscription services give. It gives, I've got X amount, millions of people paying this amount every month. I know this is coming in. And that is just like gold for companies. I mean, it's, it's the next best thing to actual gold for companies, just knowing that you've got that amount. So this shift that we're seeing, there is a there are benefits from a sort of individual consumer. Obviously, we've talked about some of those, but from a company perspective, it's great if I can get that consistent revenue. So very much, yes, it is that push to how can we get people to continue paying us reliably for this game that we only need to make once. And obviously there are um, maintenance costs and uh, cost of like further development, but on a balance, it's like, we know this money is coming in. That's amazing. Mm, so I highly dislike life service game <laughs> why is that um because i get left behind in them and then i don't feel included because i've been busy working for a month and then right. suddenly i have no idea what's going on 
I don't have the latest gear. I've missed out on like the really good looking whatever piece of cosmetic. I am unable to keep up with the skill level because it's forever mechanics are like forever slightly changing and balancing is changing so like a favorite character is no longer as good as it was so i do not enjoy live service games because <laughs> there's loads of games i really like but then whenever i go back to them i'm like i can't play it anymore destiny 2 being one of them right especially after they killed Cade, i'm never gonna get over that you're gonna keep hearing about it um <laughs> And like, then I can never go back and just enjoy the bit of the game that I liked. And so now I don't play Destiny because everything's changed. I basically have to play a new game. And then the whole community moans that there's no content. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there is a certain type of player profile for these games, like, it seems to yeah. me. Yeah. And then some like MMOs, I've tried to get into MMOs and everyone's so far ahead of me that they're like, oh, just rush through this beginning bit of the game because this is where the real enjoyment is. It's when you're at our level. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean I can't take my time exploring this new game that I have and just learn it in my own time and until I can have fun? Like, I don't, I personally just, I like the idea of them, but they're not really accessible for everyone. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think they're very inclusive. <laughs> they're no, a very like exclusive club of like you got to be here to be in. And you have all you have to be here all the time. All the time. That's why. I'm, yeah. So I, I tend to agree. With you. I, oh, I tend to feel the same way about them that that you do. And I I like endings basically. Um, I like things that I know are going to end, and I can get to the end, and I can go into something else. Uh, and also, I've I've you know explained the uh, the benefit of like the the monthly incoming for companies and and how that appeals and i as an individual have the opposite i don't like things where i know every month something's coming out like that to to also have an end so for that reason i also don't like to get into live service games as well mm -hmm. but i think like you said tazzy the idea of i don't know, like for me like story-based games are uh, not exclusively but you know at the top of my sort of favorite types of games to play so for example i i still need get into horizon the original uh, the first horizon but my experience of playing that is going to be the same when i get to it as it was when it came out and i like that i'm not necessarily i mean i'm missing out obviously on some conversation at the time but in terms of playing the game the experience is going to be as good maybe even better because one i know there's a the sequel to go into next and uh, whatever updates the the game has had uh, and i like that kind of sort of self-contained where i know the experience i'm getting i don't feel like i'm missing out on anything if, if that makes sense so yeah that's the my kind of challenge with live service games but then like i said about the the business benefit just means that along with streaming uh sorry that along with subscription services in general is coming that does seem to be the the future is the push towards the non-physical mediums the constant uh, subscription so like the last question i had uh, on on this topic is the idea of ownership and do we care that we are owning fewer physical copies of our games? I mean, we talked about, we mentioned Stadia and the idea that, you know, you have access to a bunch of games, but, you know, sooner or later, and it's going to be sooner because this is what Google does, they will end Stadia and it will say, oh, I mean, they've ended it already really as a, you know, as the original vision, they've ended it. So what happens when, you know, a service decides, we're going to take this game down or, you know, the, the service is gone. 
there go your games. Like, how do you feel about the the lack of ownership as we move into this sort of live service subscription uh, future? Well, yeah, just looking at the Google website, the store right now, I can see that there is no game section. Yeah, there is no game section. So, so there's much sadness in your voice. <laughs> I, I did tell you this, Lau. I told yeah, you I this. Know. You. No, he did tell me. And you know what? I was ready for it. Now, what I should have done, what I should have done is just double check with Google that somehow I can, I don't know, go to who, who created the crew? Is that Ubisoft? I can't remember. But like, basically, just make sure I can still get my game somehow. But I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things you got to know that you got. Oh, I'm using so many like game puns, but you do have to know the game that you're in with these things, and like especially with a service like Stadia, Google with its track record of having you know cool ideas, but maybe they don't quite pan out the way they wanted, so they axe it. I'm okay to accept the loss. You know, the main thing is, did I get to play the games while it was while it was there? And I say this as if it's definitely going to disappear. I don't know. I reckon because they've got the infrastructure. And because of some of the things I've read, I reckon it'll be kind of stealth. I don't know, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, there is a, uh, I'm just checking the killedbygoogle.com website and it's not on there yet, but there are 267 other projects that Google have killed because this is what they yeah. do. Like they don't have the attention span as a business to uh, stick this out in video games. So yeah. I mean, it's pretty mad. Uh, from what I understand, they're offering this thing as a service now. So, for example, let's say you are a game dev and you want to offer your game as a demo or trial to people before they buy it from your website. Basically, Google would enable that experience so people could literally just from their browser or from, I don't know, whatever device, just kind of get a quick feel for it. So I understand that's kind of where they're moving to. You know, which is a real shame. But I guess as far as the ownership question goes, I'm okay with not owning the physical copies of the games for one reason, really. Well, there's a few reasons, but one big reason, which is space and clutter. Like, if I still had every single game I've ever owned, like, I just have no space, like, in my house. And some people like that, you know, some people have got, like, proper caves with or treasure troves, however you want to call it, like, with all of their game collections and you know totally respect that it actually looks kind of cool but not everyone can do that especially if you live in london and you haven't got loads of space and etc so it's like one of those things where it's like i think it for someone like me who's trying to be quite conscious about how much stuff they buy and own the streaming model makes sense to me so Basically, maybe on average, I pay a little bit more because I'm paying a monthly fee. Maybe I have to wait longer for the games that are like the latest. But, you know, I still get to play some games, which is ultimately what I want to do. And that's, I guess, uh, a kind of ex-gamer now to casual gamer speaking. So this won't make sense for some people because they want to be right in the mix with the latest and greatest. So maybe there needs to be something where you can like, I don't know, like an NFT. Sorry, oh, I know that. I just want to say that Lau does not represent the, the views of Sorry, this podcast. Sorry, guys. He's, he's no longer I know, involved I know, in my <laughs> just to make that clear. Former director. Sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. 
but but basically something to show that you own the game regardless of what service you're on is basically my point so like something like that might work a little bit better and maybe the industry needs to kind of move in that direction but it, it means that uh game devs publishers need to be able to have the clout to say hey okay we've got an exclusive with you but people will be able to buy this after a certain amount of time and own it. And if the service goes down, they can redeem it elsewhere. You know, that needs to get sorted out. And I think that's an industry question for the industry folk to sort of figure out because eventually it is going to get kind of messy with all these services. And if certain services get shut down and people have bought games, yeah, what happens? So Again, space is a, is a thing. And I do have a load of my old games. I have a load of PS1 games. I have a load of... NES games, I have Sega Mega Drive games, I have PS2 games, even though I don't actually have a PS2. I have <laughs> it's the one missing in my collection, by the way. So if anyone wants to give me a PS2 slim pink, because that is the one I'm looking for, then feel free. Um <laughs> so yeah, I I Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games, DS games, 3DS games, uh what am I missing? GameCube games, all the games. Obviously, Xbox games, PS3 games. I got the games. <laughs> <laughs> but there is only a limited amount of space that I have. And definitely as like digital games became more popular, I was like, okay, maybe I'm not totally against digital games just because it's physical space. But I actually really like having a subscription because then I have loads of digital games, especially because Game Pass is really great and I have all the latest Xbox, Microsoft studio games on there straight away day one you know the deal with them i can then focus on physically owning games that i just really 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 enjoy and are going to go back to without feeling like which when i buy digital games unless they're on like a really good sale i always feel like oh, i'm spending all this money for a digital game that could just disappear <laughs> that's the consideration so that's why i like subscription because you're like you're just you're paying for access to this game temporarily. And because I get, I am someone that plays a ton of games. So I'm definitely not losing out on money. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> spending less than I would if I wanted to buy all of my games new. Yeah. So I like the combination of having like subscriptions for access to games and then getting physical games that I really, really love. Like I'll probably buy Dragon's <laughs> 2 as a physical game. <laughs> Just when I decide which console I want it as a physical game on. Uh, uh, that is the thing, right? Is the combination. So I think that is what I've, I've picked on because once upon a time, I would have said, no, give me the, the physical game. Like, I want to know I, I own this and this mine. You can't take this. You can't come and uh, rip it away from me. But then over time, you sort of, you take steps into this subscription service and digital, digitally downloading games. You look back and you realize, oh, I'm already here because uh, I, I download uh, downloaded games and um, it's fine. But then you also have the ability, uh, and I hope this doesn't completely go away, the ability to get a physical game. Or what some companies have like realized is get people to give them more money for a special edition, <laughs> which I'm okay with in certain cases. So, I mean, God of War, uh, tell me when that's out. I'll give you the check. You write the number down. Uh, and then I'll, I'll just get that because that that is my that is my game. Uh, even though I'm expecting the news of the delay into 2023, but that's a whole other uh, discussion we can definitely have on this podcast. So yeah, I think that giving that option to uh, some special benefit to owning the physical copy while having the the ease of access to a digital 
copy of the game. So I'm more okay than I was initially when I initially thought thinking of this like years ago. And like I said, I think this is an inevitability in terms of where the industry is going, which will mean more access, more digital access to uh, video games, less physical ownership, which, you know, again, pros and cons uh, to that. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting way where we have just different ways to access games, different ways to uh, pay for games and so many services that are offering different ways to experience uh, video games. But, you know, improved access is usually a benefit. I think there's no harming more people having access to video games. So I think over the long haul, uh, it will be a benefit to consumers like us and hopefully to the industry uh, at large. So yeah, that is our discussion on video game subscription, streaming, um, and ownership. Um, let us know what you think. As always, you can give us your feedback. Do you have a particular way uh, you like to access your games? Uh, what do you think about not being able to sort of own a whole library of games? Uh, let us know. Feedback at mymatter.com. Uh, so before we wrap for this episode, uh, let's check in and uh, find out what our guest is up to. So Lau, you've been here before, you know what this segment is for. Let us know a bit more about you and if you have any interesting projects you want to tell us about or something you want to shout out. Yeah, so um, at the moment I still kind of doing pretty much nothing and enjoying life. Although I have been uh, looking into inline skating more and more. Um, for those of you that have never tried inline skating, I highly recommend it. It's become an incredibly accessible sport and a great way to exercise as well, uh, providing the weather is good. So yeah, there's uh, pretty much something for everyone now out there. And I'm trying to do a little bit more of that. Other than that, I would like to give a shout out to a show that recently was brought to my attention by Netflix. Thank you very much, Netflix, called The Penthouse. I think it's called The Penthouse War in Life. It's a Korean drama show, but it's actually really intriguing for what it is. Um, it is quite long, though. So uh, apologies if this now takes over your life so yeah <laughs> but, but yeah that that's pretty much what i'm up to these days just kind of chilling skating and uh watching k-drama yeah i think netflix has actually recommended that to me so i'll check it out be warned i couldn't believe how i mean it's like 20 episodes 26 episodes or something and uh, each episode is about an hour hour 20 and we were like well hold on a second if we watch this as if we were watching a film because let's keep it real that's feature length right and we did one a week, it'd take us like half a year to finish one season. So, yeah. And then I was also thinking about all the things I could learn in that time, if I just read. So, mm. <laughs> these are the things I think about these days. <laughs> I kind of have to weigh up. I'm like, hmm, I don't know, but it is entertaining. So, yeah. You've been warned. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, thank you, Lau, for joining us and giving, me, giving us your perspective as a an ex-gamer turned casual gamer. There you go. And someone who actually uses uh, a number of these services mentioned. Thanks for uh, coming by. Yeah, it's been great. And and you know what? One last quick shout out, actually, because um, I never really said which was my favorite service. So is it okay if I just kind of give a shout out? To yeah, give, a, give that medal. Cool. So I think I'm just going to give away free awards because I, I love them all. Um, so I think the award for just most accessible, like just get up and go, has to go to Stadia. It really is just that simple to get into it 
especially if you want to play on a TV. Really good for that. Um, I think the award for game library has to go to the Xbox. I mean, yeah, it's just really good. Yeah, I just can't fault it. And that's the reason why I'm just waiting to finish the games that I'm playing on the other services so I can now dedicate the rest of my time to that. And then GeForce now is just really good. Like, obviously, if you are kind of a PC gamer, yeah, this is just really a great way to save space, I think, especially if you also don't have a very powerful machine. So it's just a go-to for that. Yeah. So I'd highly recommend it for PC gamers if you want to save space. And um, well, I mean, your game has to be on the service. That's the only downside. But, you know, assuming it is definitely a good shout. So those are my free awards. But there's different things. There you go. All right. So if you're on the fence about game subscription services, you have some options to look into. Although, like I said, Stadia will end uh, soon. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. That helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. Uh, don't forget to check out our own stories on the My Matter website. So we have a number of manga-style uh, comic book titles, including our latest release, Serious Through the Fog. And you can join the Gamepad uh, community on Discord. Uh, check out our new Studio 77 membership as well for exclusive access to Gamepad events and content from the My Matter universe. Uh, and for those interested in... Uh, video games as a career or just generally uh, representation diversity in the industry our do i look like a gamer video game representation campaign is now live so we're launching this so that future generations of talent will know that there is a place for them in video games uh, and hopefully through our events and activities empower them to be an active part of shaping the future of video games um, so as for the podcast we release new episodes on Thursdays that include creator interviews, video game discussions like these, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So until next time, uh, stay tuned and stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.